Hello and welcome to episode five of Establish the Collection. I'm Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host Gary Hartman, who is still riding sky high after his New York Knicks clinched the fourth seed in the East. Gary, how's it going, buddy? We here, Cody. We here. Not only did you secure a winning season, not only did you make the playoffs, but a four seed home home court through the first round. What are you guys doing? Unbelievable. Uh, I'm waiting for that playoff schedule to be announced so I can figure out when I'm hitting Madison Square Garden. I cannot wait. We are going to, you know, even if it's 50% capacity, we're, we're, we're tearing that place down. We're, we're excited. It's going to be wild. Uh, we, we got pretty lucky after talking last week that we kind of nailed everything. The, the Sixers clinched the one seed. Yep. We got the Knicks-Hawks matchup in the fifth seed. We'll circle back and touch on all that uh, towards, the, towards the end of the podcast. But it was a wild week around the hobby. Plenty of stuff going on in, in both the digital streets, uh, physical streets mainly, as we'll get into, and, and even the fractional area getting a little love today with an announcement. But we got to talk about what's going on with Target and what's going on with, with these crazy cardboard bros. So if you haven't been paying attention, Target announced last week that as of Friday, May 14th, they will no longer be selling cards in stores due to some disputes that resulted in, in legitimate violence and people getting arrested. So, uh, you know, I, th- this is basically a manifestation of what we what we saw in in the top shot world with everybody clamoring to get in the queues and not not able to get packs this is this is the physical manifestation of that and it resulted in violence but basically you were able to get boxes and and packs of cards that you could then resell later on the secondary market for four or five six x what you bought them for um so that's going on pause i don't know do you have any thoughts on what that means for the hobby what what's going to happen with target will walmart follow suit any extra thoughts to add to these crazy cardboard bros who are just rushing target stores at eight o'clock in the morning yeah we 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 actually touched on it a little bit um in the starter pack from a couple episodes ago about the craze of retail how it's impossible to get retail product um and that's because it's the only affordable you know quote unquote affordable for the everyday joe out there to go out and buy cards from target and walmart the problem is they're eaten out the second they go on shelves either thursday or friday morning and now that is finally manifested in these people that are basically making those restocks that Friday morning restock at Target uh, into Black Friday every Friday. People rushing into the store like old school uh, things you would see on the news. And it's it's resulted in violence across the country. There was a public incident in Wisconsin uh, last week. And it's basically this is all just resulted in Target saying, screw this. Um, we're, you know, we're not signing up for violence in our parking lots or in our stores. So we are going to put a halt to this. And uh, my understanding is the relationship between Panini and Tops and um, Target is not over. They are maintaining their deals with each other. They will still be buying their product, but for now, a temporary um, halt on selling in-store um, cards. So I believe they they might be looking to do some stuff of selling this stuff online for the time being. Maybe some people have a little bit better of a chance of actually securing product that way. But for now, um, no, no more. Walmart is my understanding is they're going to keep it going, but I think they have some added security measures, and we'll we'll see what goes on. I started looking at some YouTube videos when I was doing research for, you know, what I was looking what does this mean for the hobby? Is, is, is anything going to come of this? Will I have a better shot of getting product if I can buy online? And my goodness, these guys are videotaping, taping themselves, getting into Target, sitting in line for hours outside yep. in the dark and the cold. Uh, it's just crazy. So it is. yeah, from my understanding, I think you, you had the same approach. This doesn't really affect a whole lot. It seems like that uh, Target's going to end up getting this product out one way or another. 
and most likely that that's going to manifest itself getting product out online. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. Maybe you do have a better chance of getting, getting product, uh, getting product in your hands online. If you haven't been able to get it through the store. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And switching gears to the NFT world and top shot, uh, top shot is continuing their run on, on pack drops, basically running two pack drops a week. We ripped our throwdown series packs on Tuesday. Monday, after getting those Monday afternoon, we ripped those Monday night. Since then, there have been two more pack drops, uh, the reserve drops for the common packs, the $9 packs that come with three base moments. Um, and you're starting to see the end of the plus EV guaranteed packs, yeah. which is, you know, for long-term collectors and people that come from the cardboard space, it's kind of what you expect, right? You're not, you're not trying to strike gold with every pack. So this is something that, that shouldn't really surprise a whole lot of people, but it just means for me more interaction on the secondary marketplace and and actually more research going into making long-term investments and and collecting in players that you truly like as opposed to just getting a nine dollar pack and turning it around for 18 27 36 dollars so you know i appreciate that it's it's something that i was kind of looking forward to for a long time it's not fun getting a nine dollar pack and having three dollars worth of expected value come out of it but we're used to it so yeah this this was inevitable i mean you know that there's there, you know, I know that everything seems like they have no tops these days with with crypto and and Top Shot and things on the blockchain. But you know, when when something is so plus EV for so long and you're basically just printing profit, um, that that's not sustainable. So you know, we're at a point now where the market is fully corrected itself. You're going to have packs that you might not um, profit from, or you maybe are expected to not profit from, and that's okay, as you just said. Yeah, it's it's good for long term viability. When you get a pack of Panini Prism, you're not you're not going to get a lamella ball silver in every pack, right? You're not going to, no. you're not going to hit, you're not going to strike gold. So no, you're yeah, paying $1,800 for those boxes. You're lucky if you make $400 worth of value back, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. I think it's good for long-term sustainability. We've kind of known this is coming from Top Shot's uh, angle. They, they've never really wanted to be uh, a marketplace where people can't get in at a lower dollar value. So this is good for kids. It's good for common, you know, average collectors. But uh, I think we'll start to see some sort of, uh, leveling hopefully of the bottom and then maybe things will start to increase back up yep. along with that uh they do their office hours every week we're not going to try and touch on those every week but i think there was some stuff notable from last week that uh, we wanted to reiterate they are considering a new scarcity tier between the common and rare moments which i think will be good for for the average collector there will be a new hollow icon icon pack drop um will be the same price as the previous pack and if you remember those packs were 9.99 and came with the legendary moments um, they're also going to release another uh, another premium pack in the ninety nine dollar variety. And one thing to keep in mind if you if you weren't around for the throwdown pack or you didn't you didn't meet the collector score criteria that they set out, keep in mind that there will be collector score requirements that you need to meet in order to be eligible for those pack drops. Um, exactly how it's calculated and and what will be required for those hasn't been announced, but uh, just be mindful of that if you're trying to get in some of those more um, premium legendary rare pack drops. They also announced with the playoffs coming up that there will be more marketing coming. So obviously there's no no guarantee that our accounts will increase in value. We're not expecting that, but it's just good that we're we're hopefully uh, as as more eyeballs are focused on the playoffs and more more eyeballs are focused on the NBA, we might see more marketing for Top Shot, more eyeballs on the Top Shot world. So that's good. Um, one last thing we want to touch on before we get into today's today's episode, and we've got a little bit of a different episode here, so we're gonna we're gonna dive right in as we always do. But fractional got some love, and that's my space. That's my that's my hometown. 
So Rally, one of the, the biggest uh, and probably one of the first movers in the space, announced today a $30 million, uh, $30 million in Series B funding led by Excel. Um, and based on some quotes from Rally, it sounds like they themselves might be getting involved in the NFT space. So we might soon see top shots on, uh, on the fractional platform, which for me would be good because I'm, I'm interested in getting, you know, 1% of those LeBron Kobe tribute dunks that I can't, can't afford right now. So if, if Rally announces that they're going to drop some NFTs and uh, they get top shot on the platform, I would be one happy man. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, first of all, you you know me. I'm starting to love Rally and some of the other ones, but I'm I'm getting into the fractional streets with with Cody. I'm 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 hanging out, and uh, I I think you know they're a great company, and and that's the way to go. I mean to to have those top shots become fractional is was I think inevitable. I mean we saw what some of the people in the fantasy industry did right from the start. You know, splitting those moments, they were basically just doing it on their own. Um, obviously broken up into much larger pieces, but you know, this was an idea people had from the jump. So we might as well make it, um, you know, legitimize it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why I love the space and, and I hope more people get involved. And I think as, as Top Shot gains popularity and continues to grow with marketing and, and more eyeballs focused on, on the NFT world, I think it's a natural fit for fractional to get involved. So I think it's good for, for both industries. Yep. We're going to do something a little bit different with today's episode. We've been pretty sports heavy, pretty micro analysis heavy, talking um, tops NFT and baseball, talking NFL draft and, and movers after the NFL draft. And last week, talking playoff movers in, in the NBA. We're going to hard pivot. And, and basically, this today's full episode is going to be a starter pack that I'm going to kick back my feet, sit back, have a drink, and basically just let Gary talk all things grading. <laughs> Because he's the man, he's he knows he knows the space inside and out. So, Gary, why don't you kick it off and just talk about the the rise in prop popularity and grading, and some of the reasons why people are so enamored with it nowadays? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is uh, this is long overdue. Honestly, we we've been doing these starter packs. We've been telling people about the basics of the card industry, and there's no way we can really paint that full picture without getting into grading. So. Um, you know, what is grading? First of all, it's a way to um, send your card into one of the companies out there, which we're about to get into, that will evaluate your card for you, tell you the condition that it's in, and put a number grade on that card. Um, it's also a way to protect it. It puts it in a slab for you. It's And I'll show off a bunch later, but you've probably seen some. I've held some up on this screen. So it, calls, it puts it in a plastic slab where the card should not move. It's protected from any human hands, any kind of damage to come to it. It's going to be protected and sealed in that grade that they have assigned it. Uh, there's also... Um, the, one of the other main purposes of grading is authentication. So, you know, if um, you want to make sure your aut an autograph card is is actually signed by that player or just that it's an authentic card that's not a that's not a fake um it's not cut meaning you know it's missized or anything like that these companies will do that for you they'll say yes this is an authentic card sometimes you could send a card in just to get um authenticated you don't even want it graded you just want it protected and authenticated saying hey this is an authentic upper deck exquisite lebron james autograph card and now we're going to put it in the slab for you um, and it is protected. So that is kind of, those are the main reasons that people grade. And now, you, you know, in today's day and age, in this crazy card boom, um, you almost have to grade. If you want to receive maximum value on your cards, if you want to be showing off your collection, if you want to be looking at it as that true alternative investment that so many people are looking at right now, um, grading is almost a must in today's landscape. So that's why we grade. That's, that's what grading is. And, um, 
you know, from here, I think we'll, we'll dive into who the main players in grading are and um, some of the, the, the need to know details to, to get you set up in that, that grading world. Yeah. It's not enough to pull that LaMelo ball rookie card silver, right? It's not enough to pull that from a pack. It's raw. It doesn't mean anything at that point yet, right? Eventually you have to get it graded and eventually it has to grade out well in order for it to maximize its value. So there's two Titans in the industry. We've alluded to them a lot on the show already without going in depth in either one. Why don't you talk about what people probably are familiar with, even if they're tangentially related to the physical card space? Um, why don't you talk about PSA, kick us off with some PSA history and why they're the kind of the kings of the space. Yep. So PSA, you, you just said it is is absolutely the king of the grading world. So uh, PSA stands for Professional Sports Authent Authenticator. Uh, they were established in 1991. Of the main companies uh, out there, they are the only one that is publicly traded. So they care they care about their their shareholders and they they operate in a little bit of a different way because of that. At times, um, they're definitely the most critical company to know in this space. They were recently bought by Nat Turner, who is somebody that's very involved in the IT world, in angel investing, in and uh, he, he started a healthcare IT company, and he's always been kind of active in the card community. Um, so he, he he was a big deal, and um, they're owned by the company. It's called Collectors Universe. So they do all things collectibles, authentication. They'll they'll grade not only cards, but but jerseys and just autographs and anything you want to send to them to get slabbed and authenticated. They will likely do it. They do coins. Um, not does it's not just sports collectibles. They do all different things, and that is Collectors Universe. Um, they. Uh, so the most important things to know about them, they grade on a single digit scale. So um, they will say your card is either an eight, a nine, a 10, seven, six, whatever. There's no half grade. So you're not getting a 9.5 or an 8.5. It's a single digit. Um, you can send in a card and request a minimum grade. So for example, um, some of the other companies, if you send it in, they're going to grade it for you and slab it up for you no matter what. But for PSA, if you want to send a card in and say, hey, I want this to only be a nine or better or 10 or better. And if not, don't grade it. They'll do that. And then they'll send you your card back and it'll look like this. Basically, it'll say, hey, um, this did not meet our minimum grade. Uh, and so we're, we're sending it back to you. And But they still charge you for the card. So you know, th there's, there's options for that um, in, in that sense. Does that all make sense to you, Cody, before I get into the different grading tiers and, and how, um, how much it costs to, to do these types of things? Yeah, I think they, maybe before you go on to like, like what the difference between maybe a PSA 8, 9, and 10 is, why, yeah. why would somebody send in the minimum grade? Why, yeah, why would sorry. somebody do that? Explain that to, maybe explain that to the audience. Great point. Great point. So the reason you would do that is for certain high-end cards, if it's not going to grade a nine or 10 or better, it is probably beneficial to keep it raw at that point. So um, the resale of a raw card often will exceed the resale of a PSA eight, for example. Mm -hmm. So you have to do your own research at that point and see what a PS for vintage. That's probably not the case. So for things in like the eighties or earlier seventies or earlier, um, that's probably not the case, but for modern day cards, you're probably going to, want to um, either put a minimum grade on or only send something in that you know is going to at least get a nine because a lot of the time the raw will um, hold more value. Yeah, that makes yeah. a ton of sense. And we'll, we'll I, I know one thing before, I don't want to forget at the end of the show, you're going to talk about your grading process and, and mm -hmm. some of the things that you do before you send cards in. So that's a good point. Before we Before we wrap up the show, we'll talk about that. Yep. Yep. And we're, we're going to talk about what the eights and the nines and the tens exactly mean um, when we get to the next grading company, because I, I think it's easier to to talk about it when you're able to have a couple different examples. But for now, I just want to stay on PSA and how their process works. So um, PSA has a bunch of different grading tiers. 
And a bunch of these are shut down right now, which we're going to get into in just a minute. So if just hang on there. But I want to just talk about the couple different tiers. So they have uh, a value tier, which is $20 per card right now. That probably will increase sometime in the near future. But for now, it's when it's open, it's $20 a card. Uh, and it takes a long time for that card to get back to you. But you'll say, hey, 20 bucks a card. That's the cheapest that you can get a card graded from them. However, that card needs to have a maximum value of $500. So if it's more, they're going to upcharge you at that point to the next tier, um, which there is uh, economy is a $50 tier, just gets you back a little bit faster. Also max $500. If your card's worth more than that, when it's graded out, they'll upcharge you to the next tier, which is regular $100 per card. Um, and that you have to have a, a max of $999 worth of value of your card. So if your card is worth more than a grand on the open market in its slab, they will, again, they're going to keep upcharging you. So this is something that PSA does. They basically, um, they will choose to uh, evaluate the card themselves. They have people that work there that evaluate the cards in the current market of their your card. And if it isn't if it grades out to something that's higher than the tier that you submitted it for, they will charge you more. So that's something that irks some people. Um, you know, there are other grading companies you could just send in and you know, you're paying this card, you know, you're paying this flat fee for the service. You know, you're paying the flat fee to get it graded and at in a certain time frame, and that's it. PSA does not work that way. They're going to, they're, they're basically trying to get their cut of their, if they are grading something that's worth a lot of money. So you know, say that for what it is, it's, it's the cape, you know, their, their, their labels hold the most value. And so they can get away with doing that after regular, um, there's express. So that's $150 per card, max $2,500 in value. At that point, you're getting into the levels that are open right now. Uh, and that is super express is $300 per card. So, you know, again, it's gonna, it's pretty hefty at that point, $300 per card, max $5,000 value per card. If it's above $5,000 in value, they're going to send it to the next tier, which is 600 bucks per card. And that is the walkthrough service. So there's all these different options in normal circumstances for PSA to send in your cards. However, right now time is, are not normal circumstances, are they Cody? No, not at all. The, right. the, in fact, the furthest thing from normal circumstances. And I think that's such a good point for the average Joe that's ripping a box right now. And they're thinking, oh my God, I got this Lamella ball card. I should send it in and get it graded, right? You can't, or if you do, you're paying what? $300 minimum per card because you the, the only option that's open right now, Gary talked about value, economy, regular, express, all the levels up to 150 are all currently closed. They're currently yeah. suspended. So you're not sending in your Lamella ball silver card and getting it graded and getting it returned for $150. You're spending at minimum $300. And even that is going to be backed up, right? Yep. So so let's talk about that. So um, with the card boom, which we've spoken about at length over the last year plus, uh, PSA has become incredibly backed up uh, with wait times for most tiers of a year plus, unless you're paying a lot, a lot of money. So yes, you're sending, you're going to send your card, uh, especially if you're doing value tiers and the economy tiers, you're going to send your card and you're going to wait upwards of a year to get that card back. So, you know, by the time you get that card back, you know, the whole landscape might've changed uh, for that card. Um, Maybe that player had a career-ending injury. Knocking what hopefully they didn't, but maybe the entire market's crashed. You know, something a lot can change in that time. So you know that's something you have to consider. Um, so for the ultra modern cards, they basically had these um, backlogs of millions of cards, essentially that they hadn't even gotten to grading. The reason being is the card market took off so much. Base cards have base had so much value recently in the PSA tens or PSA nines that people were sending in anything. Basically, they were sending in cards that were 
even 40, 50 bucks raw, because if they were able to get it for 15, $20 graded when the, you know, it was a little bit cheaper to send the cheapest um, option, you know, you're still doubling your money at that point. So people would send in anything or just speculatively, if they think, Hey, this player is going to be good. So basically they were getting super backed up. Um, so basically uh, at the end of March, March 30th, the PSA shut down the majority of their services until further notice, basically to catch up on this million plus card backlog. Um, they have said that they're going to start opening up some of the other service levels again in July. So again, the ones that open right now is Super Express, $300 per card. Uh, you'll probably get, I haven't done it yet, honestly, the $300 per card, but you'll probably get it back within a week or two at that point. Um, walkthrough, which is $600 per card, probably take you about a week to get everything back. And then there's premium tiers above that that are still open. If your card's valued at over $10,000, you're probably spending anywhere from 1000 to all the way up to $25,000 to get a card graded if it's a six-figure card. So those are still open, but everything else for the just, you know, that's way more affordable is still closed. Um, they expect that they might open up the express level service first in July, which is the $150 per card um, before they get back to the economy and the value services. So we might not see until the fall, some of those services open back up. Uh, they are probably going to, I, I've heard some rumors, there's nothing set in stone, but the good chance that they will increase their prices once again, when these tiers open back up. So I don't know if that $20 value tier is remaining, um, that way. You know, I, I think that you're going to, the, the minimum you'll probably be able to pay across the industry is 30, 35 bucks to get a card graded, uh, by the end of the year would be my guess. So, you know, that's where we're at with the shutdown. It's impacted the market in lots of ways we're going to get to at the end of the episode, but that is the deal with PSA right now. That said, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of merit to possibly waiting for those because PSA is by far the most valued uh, grading service out there. You know, they, the, the, the slab holds the most value A PSA 10 um, is you see, you hear us reference it a lot because it's what we uh, monitor a player's market by is their PSA 10. And that's because it is the most common and is the highest selling card. It's what people look for. Um, some people will not even address some of the other companies. They only want them in that PSA slab. This is what a PSA slab looks like. Um, here's a PSA 10 of a LeBron James, his first year prism card on the heat. So this is 2012. It's very basic. Um, it basically has, it looks like our logo by the way of our podcast, but it basically has the year of the, product the, the player the card number and the grade um that's it and it's it's simple it's straightforward it's it's very sleek looking but it's what people look for and so you know there's there's merit to waiting for psa um do you have anything to add there about the shutdown yeah, code PS, psa has just very much become the the go-to the baseline what everything's uh referred to uh, in, in this in the card space it, it is the reason why our logo looks the way our logo looks because it's recognizable Yep. Uh, the simplicity of it. It's something that everyone knows, even if you're, like I said, even if you're just vaguely familiar with the card world, you probably recognize a PSA slab if you're, if you're familiar with sports at all. Um, so yeah, there is, like you said, there is probably some merit if you're integrating cards or if you're into buying graded cards, there's probably some merit to waiting for uh, PSA and PSA 10s in particular. Uh, P PSA really isn't resting on their laurels, though, as we know, they've they've made some recent announcements um, to, tr to try and clear this backlog. As you mentioned, they're shutting down. They're trying to get that's that's not something a company would ever uh, take lightly. No. It, it, the, the fact that they simply shut down and, and we're not accepting new cards to be graded was was a huge step in them clearing their backlog and getting back to a normal workflow. Uh, but one of the biggest things that they did recently was adding an AI company, Genement, yep. uh, which which Genement was added there. They're hopefully brought in to bring a new non-human element to the grading process. 
um, and at, at the very least help keep a footprint on individual cards. And we talked about this off air, um, but basically what it feels like in, in, to me, and to put this in layman terms, is, is basically like putting the card on the blockchain, if you will. Yep. They're, they're going to have a fingerprint for each card that will help uh, us as the general public, as, as card purchasers and sellers, and the grading company understand which cards have already been graded uh, which cards are being cracked and resent in to be regraded and things of that nature. So um, something that should definitely help move the hobby forward and something that hopefully helps PSA with with future backlogs and turnaround times. Yep. So PSA right now, everything is still graded by human hands. Um, that is still not changing for the time being. Now, obviously, you know, acquiring a AI company, you would think maybe, hey, they're going to be implementing an AI aspect into the physical <coughs> grading of the cards. As Cody just mentioned, that is not what they're doing right now. They're going to be using this technology company um, as an automated analysis of an actual card, you know, basically keeping a, a footprint, you know, like Cody was saying, kind of like the blockchain on physical cards. So like, hey, they, they might be able to recognize if this card's been sent in before, if it's been sent into a different company, if the card's been altered, you know, things like that, it's going to be able to um, keep a card fingerprint on individual cards. That's how they're going to start using this company. We'll see what they do in the future. But it's certainly big news that they they acquired that company. Um, and, you know, PSA is definitely the leader in that sense. Again, they're publicly traded. They are the most popular name. Um, you're going to probably see them set trends both in pricing. Uh, they're going to be the most expensive almost always to to get it to get to send in your cards. Uh, but again, that, that will probably also be reflected on the secondary market that they're going to sell the best. And we're going to get into a little bit of the prices, the difference in prices of the grading companies on the secondary market as well. Uh, anything to add with PSA there? I think you're muted. P PSA is definitely king, um, but but there's one that's that's behind them that has clearly taken a, a large portion of the market share of the grading industry. That's yep. BGS Beckett Grading Service, uh, established shortly after PSA in 1999. They're easily the second most respectable and, and reputable brand in the industry. Yep. But they've also got long wait times right now. So why don't you touch a little bit about Beckett's background um, and and then some of the major differences in their grading process as well. Yeah, so Beckett, uh, BGS. I, I've used I've um, in my time in the 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 card space over the last two three years. I use both companies um, pretty much equally since the card boom over the last year. And PSA has really kind of shined as the one that matters more. Uh, certainly, I've trended towards them as far as sending in my own cards. But Beckett has its um, benefits as well. First of all, the slabs look very different. They're thicker. Um, they have different colors on the labels. So basically based on the different grades. So there's different ways for you to differentiate what a card is. So basically, uh, and not, they, and they, and most importantly, I was touching this, I mentioned how PSA doesn't do half grades. They only do whole grades, eight, nine, 10 BGS does do half grades. So you can get an eight, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, 10, um, they also have a pristine 10. So they have different levels. Um, I'm sorry, a black label 10. So 10 is its own level, but black label means that it's as good as it can get. And we're going to talk a little bit about what they do to, to basically map out what your card looks like. So that's, you know, it's a much thicker slab. Here's a 9.5 Zion Williamson, just, just a base rookie card. But you can see it's thicker compared to PSA. Here's a PSA silver Zion 10. Um, you can see it's a, it's a thicker slab with a different label. It's... Um, PSA's label, it doesn't matter if it's an 8, 9, or 10, it's going to look the exact same. So here's the same card in a 9 and a 10. If you're watching on YouTube, there's no difference. You can't see all. The only difference is the number. Um, BGS, on the other hand, will have many differences as far as the color of the slab itself. If it's a 9 and a half or a 10, it's going to have a gold slab. So 
That's you saw the gold there. The regular 10 also. Here's one RJ Barrett color blast pristine 10. I love this card. Um so also has a gold. They have a black label which I mentioned which we're going to get into. They they also break down what your card is for you more based on the main elements of grading, which PSA also uses, but they don't tell you why your card got a nine or a 10 BGS will. So there are four subgrades that BGS uses and all cards use them. We're going to get into all these a little bit. Those are corners, edges, surface, and centering. So just very basically, they are what they sound like. Uh, centering it's probably the most important and the most visual for a card collector. So it has the most impact on the secondary market because it's what you notice with your eye right away. Um, it's what it sounds like. Is your card centered? Okay. So this Zion Williamson card actually has a 10 for centering and it shows it on the slab. You could get subgrades added right on there. So you can see the centering is a 10. All that means is it is 50. It is the same amount to the left and the right. And it is the same amount from the top to the bottom. There is no, it's not leaned one way or the other. It's not off centered your card. Um, that is very important. And you could, with cards like Prism, you could see it right away if it's off center. Just take a look. Is there more, uh, you know, like silver looking color on one side than the other? Then it's probably off centered. If it's egregiously off centered, it's probably not worth getting graded. It's that simple. Um, so that's centering. Surface is what it sounds like. It's the front and the back of the card. They're looking for any surface issues, scratches, marks, fingerprints, anything like that. Uh, that's surface. Edges is both the quality of the edges. Uh, is there any kind of, is, is it scratching off for any reason? Is it damaged? The actual edge of the card and also how the cards blended in. If for some reason, um, some different, there's some miscoloring that, that went into the edge that might impact it as well. And corners is as it sounds, you know, corners are probably one of the things that if your dad collected way back when they might know to look at first in a card because, you know, you could see if a corner is bent up or something, or if it's handled in a different way, it's probably the most fragile to get, um, you know, affect, affected easily, you know, as far as a corner getting bent. So those are the four main aspects of grading and Beckett will lay those out for you. You could choose to have those subgrades on the slab, or you could choose not to. It's a little bit cheaper to not have them on. This is what it looks like. If you don't put it on, if I can find it, can I just do with that card? And these are the same things that PSA is looking for: corners, edges, surfaces, yes. centering. They just don't put out the subgrades on their slabs. Correct. And again, BGS, you don't have to. So here's a nine. It's a different color slab. It's a silver slab, and there's no subgrades on this. So it's the same thing. It's just going to tell you the name of the card, the card, and the grade. Um, and so you can you could choose to do those things. Uh, BGS is a little bit more of a stickler for centering. So if your card's really off-centered, you might want to choose and maybe, or I'm sorry, maybe I should say it this way. If your card's only slightly off-centered and you're choosing between which company to send it to, maybe you want to pick PSA because you think, hey, you know, this card looks great to me, but the centering's a little off. Maybe they'll still push it to a 10 if the other things look good. Whereas BGS is really just, mod, you know, measuring it on those four subgrades. So if you get an eight on centering, it's going to throw off the rest of the grade. For your card so it's basically a, uh, an aggregate of your four subgrades um so that's bgs um there are some uh, different aspects one other thing i want to touch on with bgs is they are much more known for grading their autographs so they basically will put a yep. different grade right on the slab for the autograph they're they're judging the quality of the autograph is there any streakiness in the auto itself does it come off card things like that so um, a lot of times they'll put the autograph card right on the back so here you can see it says 10 for an autograph this is a daniel jones national treasures rpa oh um, that is beautiful daniel jones is my guy my guy too obviously you know, oh for, yeah for my of course you're a giants guy of course and, 
it's a make or break year though for us, Cody. So it is a make um, or break year. So yeah. So here you can see on the front is the is the regular grade, and on the back is the autograph. So some people choose, and I am one of these people. When I'm sending in an autograph card, I actually prefer to send it to BGS. I like that they they um you could see the autograph grades right out there yeah. better. And sometimes those cards are thicker. Um, and I think thicker cards because it's a thicker slab actually look and feel a little bit better in a BGS slab. So that's a personal opinion. I think some other people have feel that way too. So. For modern cards, autograph cards, thicker cards, BGS sometimes is the way to go. Um, one other aspect of BGS, they actually put the cards in a further sleeve inside the slab. So some people feel that it's actually a little bit more protected than a PSA, where PSA, that card is in there just naked. Um, it shouldn't move. You know, it should still be protected. But again, it's a thinner slab with no further protection inside. So if for some reason it got damaged in shipping or something like that, you have a better chance of your card being protected in a BGS slab. So those, again, those are the two main companies, BGS and PSA. There's pluses and minuses of both as far as visuals and, um, you know, knowing what you are getting. I can't move on to the next company without rewinding. Yeah, that, let's rewind. What yeah, are we yeah. You, you showed me the 2012, the first year LeBron Prism. That mm -hmm. was nice. Yeah. You showed me the Zion base. That was nice. Yeah. But what was it with you pulling out that sick, pristine BGS 10, RJ Barrett color blast <laughs> and just like it was nothing. Yeah. Like it I, was um, nothing. That I wanted to show, sick. I wanted to show a pristine um, 10 that wasn't a black label. Cause I thank you for, this is good. Cause I'm going to get back to the black label now. But yeah. Uh, this is one of my absolute favorite cards. I showed the, the um, Giannis one uh, not that long ago. Yeah. Um, you guys found out about me last week that RJ is my PC. I got so much that I can show you about RJ, but this card, I pulled it myself and I graded it myself and it got a pristine 10. Um, you can see the subgrades on it. The, it is a half grade away from being a black label. Oh. It has a 9.5 on surface. Everything else is a 10. Uh, a black label means, now that you know all about subgrades, all a black label means is that it's perfect. Every subgrade has a 10 and the card is a 10. And then they're going to throw a nice black label on there for you, which these sell better than anything on the entire market, better than a PSA 10, better than a BGS pristine 10, better than anything. If your card's in a black label slab from BGS, it's going to be get the highest possible return. This is a um, Ronald Acuna Walmart exclusive rookie card in a BGS black label 10. So that's the difference between PSA and BGS. And those are going to be your two main players in the grading field. Uh, anything to add there? No, I think you, you summed it up perfectly, explained the differences perfectly and flexed. Even better. I got to flex. You know, it's it, it works better when you can flex just while you're explaining something because it's just very casual. But yes, I, I um thank you for, I love and, that color. And especially with the RJ Barrett. I love that card. It's a beautiful card. Yeah, thank you. I, I agree. Um, So there are other grading companies, Cody, as you know, um, there's a bunch of them. But the one that we should probably touch on is SGC, which is definitely the, the third player in, in the field. Um. And it's a very clear, a very clear third, right? Yes, I mean, it's, yes. as we touched on, it's it's the two titans at the top. It's PSA, BGS, and and SGC is a kind of a, a clear tier break in the in the third in the third hole. Totally. So SGC came around the same time as BGS in '98. Uh, it's comes for Sports Card Guarantee Corporation, something like that. Um, and they have their modern day slabs uh, look a little bit different. So there's like a black label, uh, a, a black kind of plastic look around them like a mat which kind of some people like it's a little bit sleeker um their numbers of the grade are just very big they also do half grades so they do similar to be just nine 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 five ten they also have a 
pristine 10 on top of it, but the, the, the label looks the same no matter what. They will also grade autographs for you, and they basically put it on the same label, separate it out. Um, I should back up and say PSA will also grade your autograph, but you have to check, you have to um, ask for it specifically when you're put, entering your cards, and it's not as popular of a thing to do. So you, people aren't necessarily looking for an autographed card. If you do, just a little tip, if you are, if you do have a card that's autographed that you don't think the autograph would 10, so like say maybe it's streaky or the guy picked up his pen, he didn't finish it, he went off the card, uh, the best way to do that is send it into PSA without getting the autograph graded. So because if it grade, if the autograph grades under a 10, um, it will impact the, the value of the card negatively. So if you they have a nine- gem, They can gem mint the card and then the auto will just be ungraded. Just ungraded, yeah. Perfect. So that's the way to do it. Um, where BGS, you cannot do that. If you send the autograph card in, they're going to charge you to grade the autograph and put it on the slab. So um, PSA in that case would be the way to go. Back to SGC. Um, they have been in the news a little bit recently because they have been messing around with their price tiers. So right now they are the cheapest option on the market. And they just recently re-lowered their prices because when PSA had up their prices, which they did before their shutdown um, in the beginning of the year, uh, SGC basically came out with a statement and said, hey, our biggest competitor up their prices. So we have to too now to compete. Um, people didn't respond to that re lightly. Their cheapest tier, I believe, was $75 for the last handful of months, which for a company that's clearly third fiddle in this space, I don't think anyone was really interested in. Um, they said it was to also clear their backlog, which I'm sure they did have, but um, you know, it didn't really, people did not respond well to that from SGC. It's one thing for PSA to get away with. But uh, so now SGC is back to normal tiers. They have similar tiers that you can do value and, and things like that. Right now you can actually send in for a $30 tier with only 20 to 25 day wait times, which is truly what you'll get back supposedly within a month. That's amazing. So if you do are just looking to get your card out there, get it slabbed up for your PC, get a grade on it, SGC is a good option for you right now. Uh, additionally, SGC is something that is respected for vintage, especially the older SGC slabs. So SGC, again, they started in the late 90s. People would send in their vintage cards, the, especially baseball from the 50s and 60s. And they had a kind of a little bit of a cool system where they would um, grade it based on a number system, zero to 100. Uh, they would put the like actual letter uh, number grade, like 5.5 or 6 underneath that number. But people did like and respond to that grading system. And for vintage, it still does hold up on the resale market. Yeah, um, you'll see that on even on yeah. fractional sites too. You'll see that you'll see some SGC slabs. You'll see old old Mickey Mantle cards. I think mm -hmm. I've seen an old Roberto Clemente card. So you'll see that on on fractional yeah. sites as well. And the value clearly does hold up if yep. if they're high end enough to be listed as fractional assets. Yeah, you'll see Jackie Robinson. You'll see all those guys. Mm -hmm. um, and those are cool. They're cool. They're, they're older slabs. They look different than the one I just showed you. If you're on eBay, much different. They have like a little bit of a green to them, I believe, with a small little uh, number, zero to 100. They're cool and they're respected for the, for the vintage space. Um, so as you see, you know, it's a, it's a good company, but it's definitely third in line as far as popularity and on the resale market. Um, there are other companies, especially that have been popping up while the wait times have been up for these for these companies and while the card boom is so hot. So one of those that is probably the most relevant right now is HGA. Cody, do you want to talk a little bit about HGA? Yeah, I've tweeted about HGA and I think I first heard about it on Davis Maddox podcast. Uh, HGA is fairly new. I think they were founded in 2020 or 2021. So they're, they're, they're very brand new. If you haven't heard of HGA, I would highly recommend checking out their slabs. If you just do an eBay search of like HGA, uh, even just search HGA slab on eBay, you'll, you'll see a bunch of cards pop up as they're gaining popularity. Uh, but they're they've got a different approach. Obviously HGA stands for hybrid grading approach. So they're incorporating some AI, um, some tech that's helping out with their grading process. But the biggest difference is they have colored slabs. Um, so basically the, the, what you'll see is if you've got like a, a 
uh, blue Zion card. They'll match the slab. So the, the, the PSA label at the top, instead of being red and white, it'll be, you know, it'll be blue and black to match the, the coloring yep. of the card. So I think that's pretty neat. Something that's kind of cool for, you know, PC, or if you just want to have something slabbed up, don't think they're going to, you know, it's, it's, they're still fairly new, but I don't think they're going to garner the same type of value on the secondary market as a PSA or BGS would. Yeah, I think it's way cooler for PC because of the colored and the, the the slabs look great. However, there is a lot of interest in it. I will say, basically, um, if you want to get your cards graded by HGA right now, it's similar to Top Shot queues. So you can go on um, mm-hmm. when they are going to be accepting some new orders. So this is a way to keep their um, wait times down and to keep their, you know, because they're still a new company and just basically keep it accessible for everyone. But it's a lottery system. So you log on, you join a queue and they'll say, hey, if you if you um, are able to send in your cards this round. And I, I don't know much more about it from there. I don't know if there's a limit on the amount you can send in one order right now, but it's basically how it is. So, um, hey, I, I haven't tried it out yet. I do think I will. It looks awesome, um, especially for, you know, some things like some of my RJ cards that I know I'm just are keeping. Uh, maybe maybe I'll do some stuff like that and I'll report back to to all of you. But it's a it's a cool new company. Yeah, and if there's any way for a new company to to garner some sort of market share in the grading space, it's not to do do things the same way that everybody yep. else is. I think by doing things a little bit differently, they at least give themselves a shot. So I'm a big fan of it. I want to grab some cards just for my PC, some uh, some stuff that's on the lower end that I'm not worried about resell. But I, I think they have a very interesting look to them. Yep, totally. Why um, don't you? Why don't we? Yep. Why don't we have you? Um, before we get to the differences in prices and PSA versus BGS uh, on the resale market, why don't you talk through or maybe go through visually, this is going to be perfect for YouTube, but go through how you would submit a card for grading. And if you have anything you want to share, I'll kind of talk through it while you show it. Um, and yeah, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast, try and check this out on YouTube because Gary uh, has, a, has a very interesting process. And, and I think you've had good success with it in terms of uh, getting things to come back with a good grade on it, right? Yeah, I've actually for for being an individual like I I grade all of my own cards and I'll talk a lot about the difference in, you know, the the options that you have in that in that world, but um I I feel like I get I do a very good job sending in my own cards and getting pretty successful grades. I mean, you saw that RJ Barrett, that was all, you know, me me sending in th- things like that and it's you know, you have to have an eye for this type of thing and you need to be able to do. So there's two ways you can send in your cards for grading, really, for the most part. There's something called group submitters. So um, a lot of break rooms, which we spoke about, will recommend these or have these. You can find Facebook groups about it. There are companies out there. If you basically just type in in like the Instagram card world or the Facebook card world, um, group submitters for grading, group grading submitters, um, they, you can send your cards right in and they will do everything for you. They're going to send it in. They're going to update you on the status of your card and they'll handle everything as far as the grading process, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to communicate with PSA or Beckett yourself. Um, they will do all of that for you. Uh, if you're like me and you're anal about your collection and you want to be able to have total control over what you're doing, you could also just do it yourself. You make an account on PSA and BGS's site. You basically start building out your order yourself. So you you say, hey, I'm making, I'm going to send in cards at this level or this service. And you start typing in each card, what it is. It's probably going to be in their system. It'll pop up. If you're on PSA, you could say if you want a minimum grade. So that's how you do it. You build it all out. You make your order. It's going to tell you how much it costs and you box it all up together. What I want to talk about here is what I'm looking for when I'm grading my card. So you can't just get a card out of a pack or get a card from a break and throw it in what we call, uh, you, you send them in things called a card saver, which are like these flimsy um, little holders, but they're good for submitting cards because they will not move. Uh, in the mail. So you can't just get a card and throw them in here and expect it to grade. You have to examine your card. You really have to look at it. Now, this is a time-consuming process. If you don't have time for something like this, um, 
you know, maybe it's better for you to use a group submitter. But if you do, and you like having control over your entire process and, and being able to track and ship your own cards and everything like that, um, there are things you should be looking for. We talked about those subgrades. You want to be able to know how to identify them yourself. Um, I use different tools to do this. So I think one thing that's important to have is a little magnifying glass. So I bought this little jeweler's magnifying glass. Um, I don't remember the exact name, but if you just type in jeweler's magnifying glass on Amazon or eBay, you can find these. These are like less than 10 bucks. They have a little uh, flashlight to them. So you can, you know, basically see uh, better onto the card and you literally could see, and you can basically say, you see a little something with your naked eye on a card. You don't know if it's a scratch or just a little piece of like debris or something. You put this right over it. You'll be able to see if that's something that you think you can actually get out or not. Now, oh, you see a little something. How would you get that out? What are the best way to, you know, you know, basically prep your cards for grading without damaging them. Uh, I recommend a couple things. One, uh, I wear gloves. It seems a little silly, but I think you should wear gloves when you're handling your own cards. You don't want to have fingerprints on it, first of all. Uh, second of all, it's just much safer. You're not worried about you know scratching with a nail or, or smudging up your card. Um, but you should just use, I just use like regular night trial gloves, non-powder, um, you know, you can find them anywhere. So that, you know, that's first and foremost. Secondly, um, just microfiber cloths is probably the best way to go. It's just like kind of what we would use to clean our glasses. You know, you could take it, put a, put a card down on um, just like plastic or on the table or whatever, or use your gloves in your hand and lightly rub with a microfiber cloth, just, just like that. Uh, and that should get out any kind of just, if, if you're got it from a breaker that didn't use gloves and you have, there's fingerprints on it, or if you have fingerprints just from opening the pack yourself, that's one way to get things out. Um, you know, there's going to be times where cards just too damaged. The surface is too bad. There's, you know, there's scratches or indents or whatever. At that point, you're probably not setting it in for grading. It's probably not worth it. Um, but there, one other thing I will say is if your card has something that you cannot manually get out yourself, some of the group submitters do, do pre grading prep for you. Um, and might be able to help get your card a better grade. So you really want to make sure that your card is good on the surface. There's no damaged corners. Um, you can watch some YouTube videos on some of this stuff too, uh, on how to properly clean and prep your cards. Um, but those are some of the, the tools that I, I would recommend. And then you basically make sure you keep it in a penny sleeve and you put it in one of these card savers and you uh, box it right up, send it. They'll tell you where to send the cards to. And that's really how you do it. It's not as it's not that intimidating. It's just time consuming. Uh, so that's that's what I do when I'm sending in my own cards. And the reason you you put on the gloves and use a microfiber cloth and you look like Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems yeah. with the magnifying glass, really? the reason you do that is not to not to look like a serial killer. But there's a huge <laughs> difference in there's a huge difference in PSA ten, PSA nine, BGS nine point five, BGS ten, and you're trying to maximize uh, the, the grade that you're going to get on the card because as as we've touched on, there's a huge difference. We've yep. pulled out a few guys that we want to go over just just. The common common cards that are sold on the secondary marketplace that have high population reports and, and a lot of sales. Um, I think the the easiest one to look at someone that's in the modern sphere, um, like a Zion. So Zion's uh, rookie card on a PSA 10 has an extremely high population count on uh, both BGS and PSA. So for someone like Zion, uh, and, and a lot of these modern cards will be the same way. There's over 17,000 PSA 10s in Zion, uh, in Zion's rookie base card. There's over 13,000 PSA 9s. There's over 8,000 BGS 9.5s. And then uh, speaking to how hard it is to get that perfect BGS 10 or BGS 10 black label, there's only 668 BGS 10s mm -hmm. uh, and 27 BGS 10 black labels. Right. So it, it's so important to try and maximize... Um, you know what you're going to get out of the card if you're going to take the time to send it in for grading so for comparison 
Zion's PSA 10 is going for around $525, a step down to his BGS 9.5. Um, you're, you're losing about $200 in expected value going for anywhere from 325 to 400. And then even SGC 10, which as you've noted is harder to get than a PSA 10 is less respected in the industry. You're only getting 375 for those. So right. uh, just a huge difference in, in where you decide to send your cards for grading and the value that you can be expected to get out of those. Yep. So it's it's just so important to try and maximize the the grade that you're going to get on the card and and to go through those steps when you're handling your own cards and when you're looking for graded cards on the secondary market as well. Yep. And it's it's important to note while we talk about the difference in prices that each number grade has like its its mint tier essentially. So a PSA 10 is considered gem mint. Okay. But so is a BGS 9.5. It's also a gem mint. So you know, technically when you're selling a card or marketing a card, you could say both cards are gem mint, but obviously the PSA 10 holds more value. Now, when you're evaluating a card and if you think it looks in really good shape, you have a decision to make because if you think there's a chance you can get that BGS 10, you're going to sell for more than the PSA 10. But if you think the card is just a fringe PSA 10, you'd rather have the BGS 9.5 than the PSA 9. So you really, it's it's a little bit of a mind game here where there is a little bit of a benefit sometimes to sending in to BGS, if you think that you can get a 9.5, but not quite that PSA 10. So, you know, th th there's, it, it's an interesting little um, thought experiment almost. Yeah. Good. A good example of that. I pulled up John Morant before we got started recording his PSA 10. Uh, you're spent, you're looking at 250 to $300 roughly the BGS 10 black label, which there's only 14 of you're looking at $4,500 yeah. on the secondary yeah. market. So just a huge difference between uh, even a BGS 10 and a, and a PSA 10, even as BGS 10, which has 312 in circulation, um, it's going for 455. But I think the the larger point too is that just shows how difficult it is to get a BGS 10 to be perfect across the board, right. let alone a black label. But just to even get a BGS 10 pristine, yeah, um, extremely difficult. And you'll yeah. obviously pay for it on the secondary market. And the reason they'll sell more is because it's technically considered a higher tier in mint. You know, PSA doesn't go above the gem mint tier. BGS does. They have the pristine tier in the 10. So so does SGC, by the way. Uh, but you know that's. That is why it's, you know, you have these different levels. A PSA 9 is just considered a mint, um, as is a BGS 9, just regular mint. And then underneath that, you have near mint uh, to mint plus. Like there's these different tiers, you know, you don't have to get, you could look it up. You don't have to get too far into them. But um, that is the the reason they sell differently on the resale as just in addition to just the the general popularity and respectability of the companies. So much we could talk about on grading. We can go for another yeah. hour. Is there, is there anything that we missed? Anything that you want to tell the people? Any edges that you see right now, either on the secondary market or anything that people should be doing um, that you haven't mentioned before they're sending their raw cards in for grading? Yeah, I think BGS 9.5s have a little bit of an edge right now, especially for um, modern vintage stuff. Like uh, It's not called vintage, just modern... Um, like early 2000s rookies stuff like LeBron and KD and things like that, you're going to get such a discount on the BGS 9.5 as opposed to the PSA 10. And again, you're these are both considered gem mint. So the LeBron James tops Chrome, like his flagship rookie card, PSA 10 is going for around 21 grand right now where you can get the BGS 9.5 for a little under $9,000. So uh, you're obviously looking at over 2x uh increase on the PSA 10. Not every card is like that. You're going to see somewhere between like 1.5 and 2.5 X on a PSA 10 from a BGS 9.5, but you could find some value there where if you think long, long, long term, like you're, you're planning on holding that guy for a long time because it's a legend, you know, that BGS 9.5 should um, increase in value, at least compared when you look at the, the difference in price there. Not to mention, if you're feeling really risky and you like the subgrades on a 9.5, you could cross over to PSA possibly and hope for that 10. So 
there's there's some room there for things like that. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I encourage all you guys listening, if, if you haven't looked at a PSA or BGS population report, they're both free to look at. And and like to Gary's point, some of the older stuff, older modern stuff, like pre-2018, even pre-2017 a little bit, if you just look at population reports, you'll see how rare in comparison some of those pre-2018 players look, even in a BGS 9.5, um, where you're looking at some some population reports in the 15, 16, 17 thousands for PSA 10s. Uh, for 19, 18 and 19 players, uh, you'll see those much lower for like pre-17 players. Exactly. Um, yeah, I've been buying up some of the BGS 9.5 stuff. Like I like I said, I had bought a Kevin Durant one over the last couple of months. Um, you know, there there's there is some possibly some some value there. So and again, I know PSA 10, some people don't even look at BGS, some people don't even look at SGC. PSA is the way to go. I like both companies. Um, I do like PSA more just as far as I like money more. Uh, but um you know, I, I think both companies are are great. Before we get out of here today, let's circle back to NBA playoffs in our conversation from last week. As I said at the top, we, we kind of hit it with the Sixers. That was a somewhat of a foregone conclusion. They, they needed to close out and they did. They'll uh, secure the one seed and theoretically have the easiest path to the Eastern Conference Championship um, with avoiding that second round matchup between the Bucks and or the Bucks or the, the Nets. Um, but the big one from the big winners between you and I was that Hawks Knicks matchup that we were really cheering for. And we needed the Hawks and the Knicks to close it out because Miami was pushing hard on the last week of the season. So it did end up uh, Knicks get the four seed. They've got home court advantage throughout the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Hawks are the fifth seed and the heat ended up in the sixth seed. They'll meet the bucks in the first round. Um, anything you want to add to our conversation from last week regarding Trey young or RJ Barrett or anybody on the Sixers or anybody else in the Eastern conference or Western conference that is. Um, yeah, the only, only, I had one, one guy I want to mention that I think is a buy, uh, the wizards have been like the hottest team in basketball besides the Knicks kind of, you know, one, one of the hottest teams they are, they, they crept, they, they made their way into the eight seed. They got the Celtics this week in the playing game. If they win that game, they'll get the seven seed and have a full series against the nets. Now they probably won't win that series, but it'll be a lot of eyeballs and a lot of superstars in that. Uh, matchup. Bradley Beal is someone to me who is completely undervalued, especially if you believe in his long-term sustainability as a star, which I do. Um, you can get he's his rookie card is in that that classic uh, Prism 2012 class. You can get the PSA 10 right now at 400 between 450 and like 600 bucks. You know, it depends. They, they, there's not that many of them out there, so you're you're somewhere in that range. But to me, for one of the top 20 players in the league, that's a great buy, and you might see him be able to put up easily put up like a 50 point game in the playoffs coming up here. So he's someone that I would look at if you're interested in um, very short term, next two weeks type of guy. Yeah, Beal's got a ton of potential, both short term and long term. I, I think that 2012, as much as we've seen that set grow, that's one of those iconic sets, the first year prism, right. and all the rookies that that class has to offer. I think exactly. you're going to see that set continue to grow across the board yeah. a whole lot too. You have anyone that uh, you have your eyes on this week or, or next week? I'm just still super stoked about RJ Barrett. I'm, I'm kind of hoping, and we've seen uh, Jaws prices come down a little bit, but I'm still hoping that he can kind of close that gap between two, three. I'm hoping for a, a big series from him uh, offensively, especially. I hope they can close out the Knicks. I uh, hope they can close out the Hawks and we'll Me see and what they both. can do. But we, we can see what they'll do against the Sixers. But I know you're you're cheering for that uh, for other reasons. This city will be rocking, my friend. I, I cannot wait. This has been the most fun Knicks season of my lifetime, seriously. Um, you know, 12-13, they, they had 54 wins, but that was a different type of team with a bunch of veterans. And this one just so magical, came out of nowhere. I've been just – it's absolute joy every night to watch this team. And this they play with so much heart. And 
you know, listen, just to have playoff basketball back at the garden where you are. We're very excited here. I'm nervous. I'm not going to get you back next week for a recording. If, if, <laughs> if there's, you know, it's funny you say that if the first game Saturday night, that means game two is probably Monday. We might be pushing back our recording next week. We'll oh, that's see. okay. Perfect. Look at that segue. <laughs> Look at that segue into next week from the professional yeah. Gary. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, now we, we appreciate you guys being here. It was a little bit of a different episode this week. I think Gary nailed everything perfectly from the grading world, uh, a ton of actionable tips on, on what to do to send your cards in for grading and what to look for on the secondary market um, and how we should be valuing each of these grading companies going forward. Uh, before we get out of here today, we want to engage the community a little bit and thank you guys for being here the, for the first couple of weeks, um, through the first month, through first five episodes. So Gary is kind enough to offer or offer from his own personal collection. Uh, we're going to, we're going to circle back to that Hawks Knicks series and keep riding that as long as we can. If the Knicks advance, Gary will give away an RJ Barrett, um, base card, not graded, right? Ungraded no, just, RJ just Barrett base card. Just raw. I actually don't have so many that are great. I have so many that are raw that I just have to send in, but I will give you one of them. I picked that one. That's pretty well-centered. Honestly, this one looks good to me. So I do think that if you were to send this guy in, it should grade at least a nine, um, maybe even a 10. I haven't examined it too much, but giving this out to the loyal listeners, if my Knickerbockers win, I'd be very happy to send this out to somebody. I really would. It would make my day. Uh, as opposed to if the Atlanta Hawks win, which we got to still do something for our loyal listeners so far, uh, we will send out this Trey Young rated rookie Donruss Optic uh, base card as well. Also looks like it should grade to me. Pretty well centered. Um, corners are good. Surface is good. So again, not graded, but they, you know, on the episode we just talked about grading, they'd be great cards to practice with if you want to send it to grading when the, the tiers open back up. Um, and if you have any other questions about grading, you know, feel free to, to DM me. But Cody, how, how can our listeners win these cards? Yeah, we're going to ask a little bit of something from you. So you need to subscribe, rate, review the podcast and uh, tweet it at us or send us a DM. You can tweet it at us publicly at G Hartman 314, right? Yep. G Hartman 314 and at C main seven C M A I N seven on Twitter. That'll enter you into the drawing for one of Gary's uh, Trey young or RJ Barrett cards. So whoever you're rooting for Knicks or Hawks, if you do that, send us a screenshot of your subscription, your rate, your review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, we'll get you entered. And uh, what will it be? Two weeks, we'll be able to give that away on on an episode two weeks from now. Yeah, probably two weeks. I mean, even if the Knicks sweep, we're looking at we're looking at <laughs> even two if weeks. the Knicks sweep. He says, yeah, "I'm just we're I'm getting just, cocky I, now." I, I'm I'm just messing. I'm fully expecting us to lose in six or seven. But I love the Knicks. Go New York. Go New York. Go. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully Gary doesn't die in, in the garden. Hopefully he's not too drunk to get back to the show. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I'm, I'm excited for the Knicks. I'll be cheering for them just to cheer for a, a friend's hometown team. So let's go, Knicks. Thanks for being here, guys. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, get you entered into that, that Trey Young or RJ Barrett drawing. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, go Knicks. Thanks for listening to me ramble about grading. Peace.